Brightful day. Today is the best day of our lives because we choose a good attitude in our recovery, in our day. We choose to high-five each other, high-five our God, be of service. Let's go ahead and open it up with the moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Welcome, family. Welcome to today's uh, podcast of Daily Reflections. The sobriety rocks. Enthusiasm is the bomb. AA rocks. All these things rock. Our lives rock. They are strong in the program. If we listen to these words in the program, our higher power will bless us. Because our higher power loves dwells in good words you know these words are pregnant with my higher power these repetitive words that we do our surrendering prayer the lord's prayer the uh, third step prayer and the seventh day seventh uh, step prayer they're all pregnant with helps good uh success prosperity joy so let's go ahead and, and do the um the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer this morning since we're mentioning them. The third step prayer goes like this. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And we, what do we have? We have the seventh step prayer. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me. Good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Um, We have another prayer here, which I think is awesome and remarkable. And we can use this for efficiency, to get things, um, to admit things and get moving, you know, and get God on the thing. Say, for instance, I got a DUI. I said, it goes like this. Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, And even though I didn't get my permission, really, really got caught and I got a DUI. Now it is all right with me. I accept it. Now what am I going to do about it? Or what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix this? You know, it's just like uh, going out into the sun and photosynthesis and receiving vitamin D. By praying like that, because the power is there right over our heads. It's available. The the only requisite is we act in faith. We ask in believing. We ask in, in, in a surrender manner, in a humble manner. Surrender is that you just stop it. Says, okay, God, I got nowhere to go. I ran out of options. I admit it, I blew it, I accept it, I accept the responsibility over it, I thank you. Now, how are we going to get out of it? It's going to be interesting, how are we going to get out of this? Now you get God. and <laughs> But it, it works, folks, it works. If you want to go ahead and go run your life the way you've been running it, and it's working for you, that's fine. But I ran out of options, you know, and... Um, there was a power out there that was wanting to help me. And with forgiveness, it's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called uncle on my part. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to my rambling. Did you know my first car was a 1962 Rambler? I was 15 years old and I, I had gone to um, Arizona and visited all the relatives 
and down into Mexico and I worked the fields and I came back with resources and I bought a car and it was a rambler. I've been rambling ever since. Okay, December the 8th is called today Service Daily Reflections. Life will take on a new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 89. It is through service that the greatest reward are to be found. But to be in a position of offering true, useful, and effective service to others. I must first work on myself. Okay, let me say that again. It is through service that the greatest rewards are to be found. In case you didn't hear it, let's, let's think about the benefits. A lot of people they say, well, I don't want any rewards. I just do it. Uh, I believe that's pride, that's ego, that's not letting go, not being humble. You know, I need help, buy coffee, I need help for the cups, I need help when I go places and go on vacation. Um, I need to receive, it's a reward to have someone, I'll take over for you, Fernando, I'll be there, I'll take care of it. That's a reward, I receive, it's the same attitude that I need to be led. It is through service that the greatest rewards are to be found. But to be in a position of offering true, useful, and effective service to others, true, useful, and effective service to others, I must first work on myself. I knew there was a catch. This means that I have to abandon myself to God, admit my thoughts to God, clear away the wreckage of my past, Work on myself has taught me how to find the necessary peace and serenity to successful merge inspiration and experience. I have learned how to be, in the truest sense, an open channel of sobriety. Okay, you know, my training was on-hands training, you know. I was uh, working to be a journeyman, but it was um, training on the job with pay so as I worked on myself I got busy cleaning and serving and being of service and uh, helping other the newcomers uh, being their friend that was uh, all 12 step work right away what do they call that Uh, intern (laughs) you got your uh, journeyman status everyone We're continually, uh, continually learning, open-minded. Okay, moving right along, let's go ahead and read the uh, 24-hour little book for today, December the 8th. The length of time of our sobriety is not as important as it is quality. A person who has been in AA for a number of years may not be in as good mental condition as a person who has only been in a few months. It is a great satisfaction to have been an AA member for a long time, and we often mention it. It may sometimes help the newer members because they may say to themselves, if they can do it, I can do it. And yet the older members must realize that as long as they live, they are only one drink away from a drunk. What is the quality of my sobriety? Meditation for the day. And greater work than this shall I do. Greater works than this shall you do. We can do greater works when we have more experience of a new way of life. We can have all the power we need from the unseen God. We can have His grace, His Spirit to make us effective as we go along each day. Opportunities for a better world are all around us. Greater works we can do. But we do not work alone. The power of God is behind all good works. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may find a rightful place in the world. I pray that my work may be made more effective by the grace of God. Boy, that was good. That put the icing on the cake on what we started this talk with. That the power is available as soon as uh, I say, 
I ask for it and I say uncle. Let's go ahead and celebrate with a little bit of music and I'll, we're going to be praying out with the Our Father, okay? Um, let's go ahead and uh, pray out. Whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. from Chicken Soup for the Recovering Soul. This one's sent in by David W. It's called Memory of Two Friends. Hidden in an attic or buried at the back of a closet or tucked away in a cluttered corner or of a garage, somewhere we have a box of mementos, pieces of memory saved to preserve time gone by. Mine is a small varnished pine box with brass hinges that I made in my 7th grade wood shop class. I have a lifetime of childhood memories carefully stored there. My first aid merit badge from Scouts, a brightly colored miniature abacus. That was a stocking stuffer for my ninth Christmas. A ticket to a Giants game and the two photos. I've had many friends so far in my busy life. Calvin and Ellen were two good friends from long ago, but they played an important part in my life now. Even more than in those distant times, every few years I dragged the step stools to the highest shelf in the garage and rummaged for the pine box. There, between my second grade report card and a poem written by a high school girlfriend, are the two photos of Calvin and Ellen. They both had so much in common, even though they lived on opposite sides of town. Both came from loving families with parents proud of their accomplishments. Their every day was filled with the challenges of school, but both were excellent students. They each shared a love for sports too. In the photo of Ellen, he's standing barefooted on the sidewalk in front of my house with bat poised waiting for my sister to pitch the ball. It's easy to see his total concentration. Even though his face is contorted in attempts to see in the bright July sun. Calvin's game was tennis. I share many school evenings with him on the courts with me receiving a trashing. Although we were both on the school's junior varsity team, he was a much better player than I could ever hope to be. They were both friends, and in a way, they were both my heroes. The last similarity between the two had the greatest impact on their lives and the lives of their families. Both became entangled in the terror of drug addiction. They must have shared a common fear, a common pain, a common feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. Not just them, but their families, because their families shared the pain of their son's death. My friend Alan died of a heroin overdose at 12 years old. Calvin never saw his 20th birthday. Neither would ever experience the satisfaction of looking into the eyes of their new bride or the nervousness of holding the first baby in the delivery room or their son's game winning double, their daughter's practice role in a dance recital. So periodically, I bring out the box, dust off the two photos and hope I hope that somehow I learned the magic formula needed to prevent history from repeating itself with the two children that mean everything to me. I know it takes more than love, but I'm not sure I know the answer. But then Calvin and Ellen's parents have asked the same question many times. 
For those of us left, we can only hope that we can make a difference. David R. Wilkins. Woo-hoo. Great, great. And preventive maintenance, folks. Being kind and enthusiastic with everyone. All right. Our next story is called The Grace of God Shows. And it's sent in by Stuart B. Stuart B. Let me start off by saying that I am a 39-year-old husband and father. My wife and I have been married for almost 12 years, and I have always been considered strange or outrageous. My sense of humor is different, and my reactions to life even tend toward the extremes. Most who know me consider me loyal and very protective of my family. Two years ago, we went through a very hard time as a family. I provoked it. Things were going too well for me. It was time for self-destruct again. I grew up in a very violent home where a tyrant imprisoned us. He was hard to predict and you learned to read him quickly in order to keep yourself out of harm's way. I never considered myself an abused child until much later in my life. Then it was simple what had happened in my life. I figured everyone else had the same problems. I was wrong. I had an anger problem in my teen years. My parents divorced when I was 12, and all hell broke loose for me when I was 15. My mother pushed me into therapy, and she got me a big brother from the Big Brothers Big Sisters organization. She put her all-in savings me from myself. She put her all into saving me from myself. I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. I got my GED and went to work. It was understood that if you were not in school, you worked. When I was 16, I told my therapist the only good man was one with a dagger stuck in his head and one in his chest, I told her. You couldn't trust one that breathes. At that time, I would consider it no great loss to watch a man die in pain. Remember the strange or outrageous part? One day when I was 17 years old, I was sitting in our dining room by the kitchen. I was smoking a cigarette and holding a butcher knife. I was pondering ending it right there. Suddenly the phone rang. I picked it up and my sister said, put it down. I said, what are you talking about? She said, don't give me that shit. You have a knife in your hand and I know you want to kill yourself. Put it down and let's talk. I quickly put it away and we talked. She came down from Philadelphia with my new niece to see me shortly after that. The only explanation for her knowing what I was going to do on the table was God. That was the last time I really considered suicide. I went to college with what would have been my class and went on to graduate school as well. Finally, two close friends and my wife urged me to go over the incest survivors checklist. For years, I have been urging clients to use this during their assessment for treatment, and they pushed me to take it, so I did. The incest survivors checklist, incest. They pushed me to take it, so I did, to prove them wrong. As I went through the list, I was answering most of the questions affirmatively. I sat at our computer and cried. I didn't want this to be true. It it was time. A friend who practiced hypnotherapy had been trying to get me to come see her professional professionally for a long time. I called her and she told me to come over immediately. I feared it would hurt my family. I was afraid of who I might see in my mind. Over the next four hours, we proceeded to break the dam of memories. I saw people I had not thought of in years and described places in vivid detail. The sexual abuse had begun when I I was almost three years old. Under hypnosis, I described the bedroom and house of my babysitter in detail. <clears throat> she, her husband, and one daughter had all been involved in sexually abusing children. As I continued the process of acknowledging my past, I would confirm places and people with my sister, who is older by almost four years. She identified people I could not remember names for. 
A significant breakthrough came when I recalled telling my father about the abuse. Predictably, that only made the situation worse and my life from the age of seven until my parents' divorce became a series of sexual liaisons with women and men involving my father and members of his church. Many of them I did not know, but others I did. One memory that resurfaced was helping my stepsister survive or being raped once. I whispered for her to look at me and not to focus on the pain. She looked at me and we both survived it. I was eight at the time. She was six. As my past began to unravel, there were times I wanted to deny it, but everywhere I turned, my memories were being confirmed for me. The history fell in missing pieces from my life. I was remembering things in detail. I truly was a survivor of child prostitution and pornography. My sexual molestation explained so much. My extreme reactions to threats toward my family or me and my tendency to sexualize everything. It explained why I think the way I do and why I struggle so with my relationship with men. I am not alone as a male survivor, but I am finding that I might be one of every few men who have kept their faith in God and are still led by this grounding. If it were not for the faith that my mother gave us, I would have given up. Even with my background as a professional, I was as unprepared for these revelations as any other survivor is. But my life has started to make sense. Throughout this journey, my wife has been instrumental in my being able to overcome the episodes of self-destruction. She refuses to let me go. She refuses to let me ruin our marriage. She has been my biggest advocate and I watch her in amazement. She has shown me grace and mercy in a time when those attributes are in very short supply. In a time of disposable marriages and people, my wife has gone against the mainstream. She is truly an angel from God. That was from Stuart B. Wow, what a story, huh? What a story. Boggles imagination what people are dealing with out there. Any of us can be affected with that. Okay. To do the work of angels. I think I read this before. The fear of death is considered by many folks to be the worst fear of all. And this one is sent in by... I think I'm going to stop there and keep it at that. We have enough in our place to consider. Uh, if you have memories of molestation as a child, or uh, start thanking God for the situation. And what happened, the solution of thanking God for what happened is the, is the proper acceptance. Uh, you bring it out, you accept the God, you clarified it, Put everybody in its place with grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And then the, the grace of God. And then vengeance is good mind, said the God. God bless you. I hope this helps. In Jesus' name, be made whole. Be made sane. In Jesus' name, let go and let God. Let's give thanks. By my spirit, saith the Lord, man is apparent to think that once in time only was God's miracle working power in action. That is not so. Wherever man trusts wholly in the Lord and leaves to him the choosing of every day and hour, then there is a miracle to be made by his power and being manifested marvelously today as there ever was on the earth as it ever will be set it has set the apostles free to work more enthusiastically the wonders of miracles and healings 
trusting in the Lord, having a boundless faith in Him and, and working through you, and you will see, seeing, uh, you will give Him all the glory. And often say to yourself, to make miracles come to pass, say, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, says the Lord and me. We dwell much in thought upon all that the Lord has accomplished on earth through people and through ourselves. And we say, He is our Lord, our friend, who could accomplish this now in our lives. He is our Lord and our friend, who could accomplish this task right now in and through our lives. We apply these miracle words to our present day needs and we know that His help and salvation are true. The Lord works through us. He is our Lord and our friend, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. We always claim God's promises. We know they are true And we both agree and pray in unison. When we agree together in the name of the Lord, united in bond and by spirit, the Lord is there. Not only when we need something great for Him to do, and we need to hear the Lord's voice, we pray in unison, we surrender, and God shows up. His magnificent power and demonstrations to display are beyond wonder. We think this means power in the right application is the lesson, power that unites us and keeps us in love to do more of the Lord's work. May the Lord say about us in Matthew 25, 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And that is a minute-by-minute hour by hour availability for us we say lord i am in christ i'm good and faithful is he that is in me let me enter into your joy the joy of the lord that jesus paid for amen these words are to be whispered in the ears of many whom the world will pass by unrecognized encouraging others, giving them hope and faith. There is a life of joy, that strength, strength comes from joy. Strength comes from counting your blessings, your health, your, your feet. Divine joy is here, is here for us. Our eternal rewards are here. Joy is the paradise that we await. Joy that carries on an exquisite thrill in the midst of pain and poverty with thanksgiving and joy. The Lord has given us faith and joy as a reward for our humbleness. A substance that the rich cannot know unless they're good givers to the poor and others. We rejoice and we give thanks unto the Lord's ways, and we arise and shine for the light of the joy has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen around us. The glory of the Lord is a beautiful and its character. It is risen in us as we realize it and enjoy it. Even if the earth cannot see it, we rejoice in the purity and the love of God. We rejoice in the glory of the Lord that has risen upon us to reflect His love, His virtue, His patience, His service, and His joy. Something of the Father and the assurance that people see in us and see the Jesus that lives inside of us. We, in turn, lift up our eyes unto the hills. From where comes our help? Our help and strength comes to the Lord, who made heaven and earth, our Creator. 
Yes, we continue to look to the heavens with faith and hope in the Lord. We patiently wait His return. We, we sing songs and praise His name and continually clap our hands unto the Lord, for He is our rock, our, our high mountain, our Savior, our Redeemer, our granite mountain. We look to the Lord for all our needs, especially our spiritual needs. And we are fixed with Him. No more, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Shalom. We hope in the Lord and we meet with Him on earth as it is in heaven. It is a delight to be face to face with the Creator of the earth who says, I love you with an everlasting love. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are mine, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So we rejoice in the good that has come and we're thankful. We sing songs and worship and melodies, singing unto the Lord in tongues, in humming, in connecting and rejoicing. To the Lord, giving thanks unto his holy name. King of kings and Lord of lords, we rejoice and thank you, Father. Thank you that you stand at the door and and you knock in our hearts and we say, Yes, Lord, yes. And be it unto according to your riches and glory. Be it unto us according to thy great love. In Jesus' name, amen. from the book Answers to Praise by Marilyn Carothers. <clears throat> Page 1. This letter that was sent in is, is entitled Termites. It's testimonies of people thanking God exactly the way things are, not putting any kind of spin on the thank you or compare it with anything else. It's kind of strange. I'm just supposed to say, I thank you the way for the way the situations are. Every situation. And um, from there, I guess God gets the uh, devils running and all the negative situations out of your way. That is the solution. Sometimes when we put our spin on it, we say, oh, I, I could be worse or, you know, uh, you know, I could not have a job if I'm not thanking God for this job. It's, uh, so I'm asking you, it's very hard for people to do it. Just don't think on it. Just thank God for the situation just the way it is. Don't put a spin on it. Like, try to go further and say, well, because it could be worse, where it could be, I could, you know, be sick at home or whatever. You know, from there, we stop, <clears throat> we keep God from working. He needs, uh, and it's not going to take one thank you, God. It's going to take a lot of uh, thank you, God, for this thing, though just the way it is, to activate God's power in the situation. Usually what we got to go do is go from uh, three, four stages of thanking and acceptance that we, we're dealing with to accept it, you know. I thank you, God, I thank you, God, and then you get, I get angry. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for the situation just the way. Then I become self-pitying because it's taking too long. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for the situation. And then an acceptance comes into my heart. And I said, God, I'm going to thank you for this situation just the way it is. If you want me to for the rest of my life. And that's when real change begins to happen. That's when real change begins to happen. Thank you, God. And then with that, uh, it something happens, it changes. <laughs> it, it will change or something will happen or, or the person will change or get up and, you know, just out of the gnarly, things, things change real quick. Um, and then the reward comes, then the reward comes. That's with my experience, guys. So now somebody wrote a letter in. Their experiences of... Uh, Thanking God for termites, okay? Yep, you heard it right, person. A 
person was thanking God for termites. Says the termites were eating us out of a house and home. Every day I had to sweep the house to clean up the sawdust from their continuing devouring of our wooden structure. Six months ago, I started praying that God would stop these little monsters. Repeatedly, I claimed the house for God, stomped and tried to believe he would stop them. Exterminators tried every trick of the trade. Nothing helped. Their leavings were all over the house. When I finished Prison of Praise, I decided to thank God for the termites. I thanked the Lord that they were supplying exactly what I needed. My private war was over, and, and I was at peace. The next morning, I decided to thank the Lord for every evidence of the termites, efforts to eat our house out, out from under us. But I couldn't find any evidence of their work. The next day, I was even more surprised. No evidence again. It has been several months now and no sign of termites. I wouldn't have believed it if anyone had told me this story, but I know you will. I'm really quite a sane, ordinary housewife. But God used a simple lesson to teach me something wonderful. I thank God for many things now, and other termites are fading out of my life. My comments. Little termites eat away inside many people. They may be small, but they gradually destroy peace of mind. You do not have to put up with their persistent efforts to destroy the peace Jesus gives you. Peace be within the walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Psalms 122 verse 7. Our next letter is called Four Years, Four Year Old Praying for Mother's Healing. When I learned I was expecting my fourth child, I was exasperated. Many years had passed since the birth of our third child. I was too old to be expecting again, and I resented this unexpected intrusion in my life. The baby was born with no complications. Mother and child were healthy. I heard you speak. Pastor, I'm praising the Lord for everything and committed myself to praising God continually with a weak faith but a strong determination. I praise the Lord for our new child. However, a few months later, I was aware that something serious was happening to my arms. An examination revealed white-like cancer growth in the muscles. In a series of operations, doctor cut away part of my arm muscles. By the time our baby was four years old, I had lost the use of my arms and was unable to fulfill any duties as a mother. Friends and relatives came in daily to do even the most simple tasks. My life was so filled with grief and frustration that I was helpless. I begged God to heal me, but was unable to believe his promises. Several prayer groups prayed regularly but their prayers were not answered. One morning, our four-year-old baby girl said to me, Mommy, can I pray for Jesus to heal your arms? To humor the child, I absentmindedly said, Sure, sure, why? You can pray for me, darling. She took hold of my limp hands and prayed a simple prayer. When my hands came home for lunch, our little girl was in the kitchen playing. He said to her, Huh? Was your aunt here this morning? No. Was grandmother here? No. Who set the table? Mommy did. How could mommy do that, dear? She isn't able. Oh, Jesus healed her this morning. My husband ran to find me, and I greeted him with my arms lifted high over my head. Yes, Jesus healed me. My arms are well. I praised God for my unwanted baby, and he used her, the four-year-old, to heal me. If he had not given me this child, I might have never been healed. When I went back to the doctor for an examination, they could not find no trace of cancer, and now, months later, my arms are growing stronger every day. The pastor comments, wow. There is so much that we do not know about receiving God's healing power. God started a plan nearly five years ago before the actual healing and then used the simple faith of a little girl. 
His ways of working may tend to frustrate us, but remember that He is God and that He loves us perfectly. He wants the same trust from us that He received from Paul in prison. He had been beaten and chained in an underground cell, but this is what happened. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Acts 16.25 Okay, we have one more letter to get in. This one's called Professor's Daughter in Juvenile Home. I am a professor in a distinguished and well-known college. My wife and I have been Christians most of our lives. When our 16-year-old daughter had a severe problem, we were in total confusion over what we should do. She was involved with a married man. Our daughter insisted she loved the man and would continue to be with him regularly no matter what we did. Use of illegal drugs was also involved. A judge judge decided our girl needed to be placed in a juvenile home for correction. His decision and the execution of it it was a devastating blow to our other children as well as to us. The situation threatened our position in the college and in the community, and we were filled with guilt over our failure. We were nervous wrecks from fear of what might happen to our child. The court decreed that the married man must never again contact our daughter. However, he continued to contact her in the juvenile home and declares they will get back together when she is free. May I please come to see you and receive your prayers and advice. The author comments. The parents were from strong Christian backgrounds and had for many years believed in Christ as their Savior. When they came to see me, they were desperate for help and needed a miracle. Most people can rest peacefully in a theology that denies the miracle working power of God until they are in deep trouble. Then they are forced to reach out for new answers. I recommended that they pray to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This was foreign to everything they had ever been taught, but they desperately wanted help. We prayed and Jesus did baptize them. I explained that God was using this entire experience with their daughter and would work it out for good, for her good, if they would trust him. It was difficult for these parents to be thankful for their problem. But this professor of philosophy, theology, Hebrew, Greek, and German joined his wife in thanking God that their entire family had been experiencing exactly what was best for them. Five weeks later, this couple came back to see me, but now they were entirely different people. They were bubbling with joy. They told me their new experience with the Holy Spirit had given them peace about their daughter. One after another, they shared the happy experiences they were enjoying as Jesus became more real to them. The most exciting thing was that they had happened, happened to their daughter. She had gone to a dance at the juvenile home and there saw things in the rooms adjoining the dance floor that sickened her. But they were very similar to the things she herself had once loved. Something was happening in her that she didn't understand. She went back to her room and, for the first time in several years, prayed. As she did, she was aware of how mixed up her life had been. She prayed, God, if you are really alive, like my parents say, please help me. One after another, she confessed her sins and forgiveness filled her heart. She was free. Christ was real. Life was real. Her next letter to her parents told of her growing hunger to be used by God to serve him in any way he wanted. She contacted the man in her life and ended their relationship. Through praise, the parents had received a gift from God. Sometime later, I was speaking in a rather formal church in the area and was inspired by one very happy, glowing face in the front row. This young girl has so much joy that she frequently said, Praise the Lord, in an audible whisper. 
She wanted to be in order, but her joy was so great she couldn't barely contain herself. At the close of the service, she introduced herself. This was the preached professor's daughter. Her parents had praised God, and now he had blessed all of their lives. Parents, you can cling to your children with all your might, but the day will come when you must turn them over to God so he can be their father. And Philippians 2, 15 and 16 says, You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn. Shine out among them like beacon lights, holding out to them the word of life, the living Bible. TLB. Wow. Philippians 2, 15 to 16. Incredible story, huh? How about one more? Una más. This is our call, Live in Hell. Mother and I lived in hell because of my alcoholic father. No, I guess we didn't live. We existed. All my life, we had little food, lived in the worst shack in town, and lived in fear of what my father might do to us next. In a drunken rage, he would beat my mother and chase me through the house with a belt. I never saw him do a kind thing for mother during the first 30 years of my life. When I was 25 years old, I accepted Christ. Mother had been a Christian for many years. We started praying for my father. After five years of praying, we knew we knew he was worse, no better. When I found Prisoner of Praise in our Christian bookstore, after mother and I read it, we made a covenant with God to thank him for my father exactly as he was. That very night, my father came home sober for the first time in many years. He said, I was walking down the street when a hand came down on me, on my head. I was scared because I knew it had to be God. He kept his heavy hand on me and wouldn't let go. I knew he was telling me to kneel and pray. I found a place between two buildings and knelt down. My whole life came in front of me and I was so sick of myself, I wanted to vomit. But then the more I prayed, the happier I got. Sir, my father hasn't touched a drop since then. Mother acts like she's in heaven, and in a way she is. The author comments. Please do not expect God to always work the same way. He meets each of us, our needs, in the way that is best for us. His wisdom never errs from absolute perfection. This is considerably different from our wisdom, which has never been perfect even one time. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Romans 11.33 Thank you for coming in today's Zoom class of uh, reading the big book. We're going to read it for about 10, 15 minutes, please. So have your big book available. We're going to be starting with page 24 and move, jump around the book. So let's, let's get us going with the uh, set aside prayer, please. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, Everything I think I know about others and everything I think I know about my own recovery. For a brand new experience in you, Lord, a brand new experience in myself, a new experience in my fellow man, and a much needed experience in my recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, serenity prayer, please. God, I grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and read page 24. And uh, hi, Anthony. Welcome. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, 
have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first strength. The almost certain consequence that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence, which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, toward our fellow and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you're a serious alcoholic, we where we believe there's no middle of road solution where, there, where we... Uh, in a position where life was becoming impossible and if we had to pass through a region of which there was no return to human aid, we but had two alternatives. One was to go to the bitter end, lighting out the consciousness in an intolerable situation best as we could, or the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we were willing to make the effort. Okay, let's turn to page 62, please, where it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think, is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles we think are based on our own making the rise of our ourselves with alcoholism, extreme example of self-will, self-will run riot. He usually doesn't think so, but above everything, the alcoholic must be rid of the selfishness. He must or it kills us. God makes that possible. If there often seems to be no way entirely in rid of self without his aid. Many of us had more physiological convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would like to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on its own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why. But first of all, we had to quit playing God and didn't work. Next, we decided in the era of the drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. This concept was a new keystone and triumph arch, which we passed through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. 
As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We are now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. Turn to page 86, please. On awakening, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance for, after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration we come to rely upon it. We usually conclude this period of meditation that we show throughout the day with the next step that should be that we've been given whatever we need to take care of this problem. We especially ask for freedoms uh, from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We uh, we may ask ourselves, however, if others would be helped, be careful never to pray for our own selfish hands. Many of us waste a lot of time to do that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances are it, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. Of, we belong to a religious domination which requires a vivid morning devotion. We attend that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Saying to ourselves many times, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, excuse me, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. Uh, page uh, 100, please. 100. <clears throat> Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. We must persist and be remarkable things will happen. If we, took, if we look back and realize the things that which came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hand were much better than the way that we have planned. Follow the decades of a, of a higher power and you will, you will presently live in a new, wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. Page 83, please. <clears throat> if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. 
We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitudes and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will totally know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. It's easy to live on spiritual program with action will rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do alcohol and subtle flow. We are not cured of alcoholism. We really have a daily repeat of the conscience of the maintenance of spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry out that mission of God into our activities. How may I preserve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These thoughts must go with us constantly and exercise along long lines of all we wish. Is a proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. We have carefully followed directions we have begun to sense the flow of the Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop a vital sixth sense. But this must be. We must go further, and this means more action. Amen. Page forty-three, please. Once forty-three. Once more. 43. Okay. The last. Once more, more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Beautiful, beautiful readings. Did you know that... uh, Everything, our, our defense, our economic defense, our health defense, our, our social defense, you know, all comes from acknowledging a higher power, you know, just thanking him for the situation. And then he comes in and he infuses us with uh, power to, um, you know, get it down. Has uh, anybody got any remarkable things to report? Okay. Remarkable, remarkable. I had I had one. I said, uh, it's about doing a little job. And I heard God say, piece of cake. It's a piece of cake? Okay, as long as you say it's a piece of cake, God. Then I got happy. Like, I already finished it. I hadn't even done it. But, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's a simple thing that I've been stuck and that's to take a stain out of the rug that I spilled my coffee in, you know. It's been like two weeks I've been walking over it, you know, and I can't seem to get it, get going. Uh, simple things that, because uh, got so much. I just got a text right now to uh, for some work. My brother-in-law, the guy who gave me my pickup truck, has some, uh, some work for me these next couple of days, Thursday and Friday, so I'll be making some money. So that's a remarkable thing, huh? Some gas gas money. How are you, Anthony? Good, good. Good. Does uh, does these readings anyone st- stood out for you guys? Anything on these readings today's? Um, like I I saw the fact is that uh, that God will do for us what we can't do for ourselves if we if we thank Him for the problem and we let Him and get out of the way. That's. Uh, I think what we're doing here is we're building up uh, a higher power, higher power consciousness that he's talking to us through our common sense more and more easily through this programming, this programming that's going into us. He's because uh, I see my, I see myself. Do you see yourself responding with these things? Uh, like we talked about this before. Uh, we have to go. We're actually recording this session so other new people can uh, ponder on these. So now, have you seen yourself uh, responding with these? Reading? Yeah. yeah. 
what stood out to me today is uh, one of the things that always stands out to me is the the more you focus on the problem, the problem increases. The more you focus on the answer, the answer increases. Right on, right on. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And uh, science has proven that to be true. They say that the, the, the cells or the molecules, yeah. when a human being takes a look at molecules, they animate, you know? They become alive. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the, uh, the molecules that are inside a, a, a bottle. If I focus on the bottle, the bottle will uh, boost, the bottle's going to start talking to me, right? It'll say, it'll say, I got all the answers. You know, you, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have to go through all that work. We can feel successful now. You know, you can feel at ease now instead of going through all the work. Or I can look at a bottle of water and the bo- and stare at the bottle of water, and the bottle of water will start talking to me. It'll say, I'm gonna clean up all your cells. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm refresh you and give you a dream for the day and strength for the day. You know, science says that the the water is alive. I was reading this morning where uh, in Proverbs eight, where God told the water, "You stay in this area. I don't want you to cross over." In that sort of sense, you know, He spoke to the water to keep the the ocean where it's at. If you really look at it, man, that that thing will wipe us out in an instant if. You know, someone puts the brake on. <laughs> There's so much water. Anyway, thank you guys. I've been. Uh, what do you think, Rick? Anything? No, only lots of water. <laughs> um, I'm gonna send you the video, Fernando. All right. On the glass of water. It's like a short clip. It's like maybe like 30 seconds. All right. I'll, thank you. I'll receive it. All right, guys, have a great time. Bye, Rick. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. All right, bye, Rick. Bye, bye Fernando. Bye, bye, Anthony. Bye.